Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast. I am, of course, Tom of Moore's Law is Dead, and this is going to be an interesting episode. Um, if you'll remember back to episode 7 of Broken Silicon, the one with me and Cortex, I would say arguably the most popular episode so far. Um, it actually went on for about two and a half hours of us talking there, <laughs> even though the episode, I believe, is like an hour and a half, an hour 40 minutes long. So I actually cut out a decent amount of things that were either off subject, broke up the flow of the main, you know, topics that we were supposed to be talking about. But I took out so much that I decided to save them for a B-Sides episode. So that's what this is going to be. Uh, We go over uh, how we named our channels. His name is very interesting. Uh, Zen One's launch and our expectations, uh, how we think of reviewers both for Zen and what the hell's going on with NVIDIA's backroom deals. We also touch on Arcturus a little bit, and we talk about a comparison between Intel and Sony. And actually, the best part for me, you have to listen to about the halfway point of it, is Cortex is a very funny analogy for what Turing's RTX features are like. But let's get to one reader mail question before I get to the full bag at the end. Lebo King Kilo asks, Upvote, more Cortex. (laughs) And he got a bunch of upvotes from people. (laughs) All right, Lebo, here we go. More Cortex, and I'm sure there will be many more after this, but let's just get right into it. Cortex B-Sides. In fact, that kind of leads me to another thing, which is that's actually the reason why I called my channel Cortex. So in my language, cortex means, you know, like the bark of a tree, you know, like the outer layer oh, of a tree. Oh, yeah, cortex, yeah. Yeah, and um, and that's why actually the, the, the cortex in the brain is called cortex, because it's kind of like the, the outer layers of your brain. So if you go, the deeper you go into your brain, the more primitive it is. Mm-hmm. So you have your kind of your primal instincts at the core of your brain, and then you go outwards and you have your reasoning. And then you, you go further, you know, into the edges, into the, the bark of your brain, and you have a, a bunch of different things, including um, intuition. So that's part of one of the reasons why I decided to call the the channel Cortex was to do with... You know, using reason, reason, but also intuition to come up with, you know, analysis and to and to to have that sort of look on um, that sort of perspective on technology and things that are happening. Well, I mean, you're pretty good at it, and I gotta say one thing: you put much more thought into your name than a lot of people realize. <laughs> By the way, one of my friends, I can guarantee, he just thinks you called it Tex because you wanted to spell tech with a K, and then you were just like, core technology. I think that's what most people would guess. You clearly have another entire level of thought that you put into the name. No, yeah, there is that that bit also. I wanted it to be sort of a pun with core and tax, but I wanted it to be cortex. I can assure you, no one guessed the outer tree and primitive <laughs> brain level, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. That's a topic for... 
for a very long discussion, the topic yeah. of intuition and the brain and so on. One thing I'll say too is I immediately knew what I wanted. Actually, I created this channel over a year ago, made one video about overclocking graphics cards, and then never released it. Because <laughs> I was like, this is garbage. I, this looks so dumb. I'm so bad. And then I finally released that one video in December. But yeah, um, I just thought it was hilarious that no one else had taken my name, though. Uh, actually, my original name was Moore's Law has been dead. But I decided that was a little too long and changed it after like a month just because I can't believe anyone brings up Moore's Law, frankly, anymore like it's a real law. It was always just a thing. A guy who was very smart, but mm. uh, it was it's not a law, guys. Like a law, yeah. there's a law of gravity. That's a law. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Uh, Arcturus is 128. <laughs> yeah, I really haven't been following that. So I have no idea. Well, that rumor was that now that they finally can just focus on compute for Vega, that they might make a version that goes all the way up to 100. It's It, it was leaked in Linux drivers, 128 compute units. And it's not going to be for gaming at all. <laughs> this is just an accelerator where they don't care anymore. Now the bottleneck for when they would sell Vega is just at compute. Hmm. And so then they can just focus on that and then make RDNA for gaming. I could see RDNA going into a data center product as well. I think oh, yeah. that makes sense. Obviously, you could see that as well. I just that I'm just saying the Arcturus rumor is that supposedly they're making a 128 Vega card. From what I actually saw, basically zero ability to output graphics. It is literally just for compute. Mm, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I I'm pretty sure AMD is working on accelerators that aren't GPUs, but that seems like a strange way to do it. That's literally all that leaked in it, right? There was no info. There's a decent chance I would say it's just a dual Vega card for professional markets, to be clear. Yeah, like that Apple thing, something like that. Yeah. My my brain is working at, you know, with just one thread. At the You're moment. at one thread right now, and the tree bark is peeling off. Yeah. <laughs> let me say one more thing though I, it's truly hilarious I, I i was laughing when i watched the beginning of your last video because it's so true if you go back to 2016 and 15 god what boring years compared to <laughs> compared to the early 2000s and compared to now and if you were in 2016 i mean i certainly thought well yeah let me ask you that question that is one more question i'm curious of so Hmm. How good did you think Zen 1 was going to be before it came out? Now, I don't know. Maybe you had information or something. but I thought it was going to be really disruptive. In fact, I told there was a friend of mine at the time was looking to invest in stock. And I rarely give advice yeah. on that. But I told him just buy AMD. And this was when AMD, there, there were news that AMD was going to go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. They came close. And I said, yeah, I told him, well, they're going to come out with Zen and this company is going to explode because that, that process is going to be pretty disruptive in the market. And I don't think it, it took much, you know, you didn't have to be a genius to see that because you just had to look at uh, Intel, even though Intel was doing pretty well at the time. I was really impressed with Skylake, for instance. Yeah, I told that to one of my friends and what I said that I wasn't trying to convince him. I was just talking about how I'm thinking about buying AMD stock. And I explained my case. And I said, and here's the thing. They're so behind now 
worst case scenario, they go back to where they were 10 years ago. <laughs> like, like <laughs> if you th- they could only go up. And he actually bought AMD stock before I did. I really need to take my own advice more often, I think. Zen- what I'm saying is I also thought Zen 2 was going to be a big deal. But it- the funny thing is, what I told myself is I was like, well, it'll probably be clocked at like 3.5 gigahertz probably a bit ahead of Sandy Bridge efficiency, but it'll have like twice as many cores as Intel. So that's going to be very disruptive and cool. And what actually happened (laughs) was it was clocked at four gigahertz, about the same IPC, and it was more efficient than even I imagined it would be. So I guess even with my lofty expectations, I still think it was better than I expected. And double the cores. Yeah, I know. And all that at the same time. And I guess that's the last question is, I was blown away that everyone else wasn't freaking out when it came out. I was like, guys, this is even better than anyone thought it could be. This is, they just released a 95 watt 8 core, everyone. Hello. And it's 500. (laughs) And like, just to see these reviews go, well, but it is 10% weaker at single core. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. Okay. But I know you don't seem to pay too much at nearly as much attention to the stuff like the more gaming oriented CPU channels. Well, I don't have a lot of time to watch videos. That's one thing. And I try not to watch too many unless people share them on Discord. And by the way, for those listening, you can join my Discord (laughs) by becoming a patron. (laughs) So unless someone specifically sends me a video, I rarely watch any videos. And that includes yours. No, yeah, I uh, I don't assume any. I say that all the time, to be clear. Where I'm like, I don't know if you saw this video. I say that because you can stop me if you have. But I always say I don't know if you have to anyone I'm talking to because I assume no one watches any of my videos. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> this is something that I started as a hobby. I still have a main job. I still don't think of it as anyone watches them. Although I know some people certainly do now. No, I do watch a few of them, and uh, there's the there's the the issue with time. You know, the time you're watching a video is time you're not working on a yeah, video. Yeah, and it's a very similar and situation, also, by the way. At this point, it seems to be like I'm mostly watching videos people post in my Discord. Which, by the way, if you support me on Patreon, you can join my Discord. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another thing, which is um, this problem of of the hive mind. You know, the YouTube yes. hive mind. Once you start watch, you watch a video that discusses something. And then a few other YouTubers see that, and especially if it gets popular, then they do the same video. And then <laughs> you get into this situation where I know. You, you're hearing the same thing over and over, and it might influence you. So I try and, and avoid that as much as possible, which is another reason why I don't watch that many videos. Well, yeah, that's actually a big problem for me now, is I, like, for my example is when Navi came out, I saw you had a review, and I was like, oh, sweet. So I watched yours, and I watched Hardware Unboxed, and then I said, sounds like Navi is great and everyone loves it. And then I just let, went to bed or something. <laughs> and, and then I woke up, and everyone was talking to me on my Discord. Why is there, why, Navi didn't pan out? And I'm like, what? Cortex and Hardware Unboxed said it was good, and I forget that they're not ev- your, not everyone. <laughs> like, I might watch you, Jim, a Hardware Unboxed video if it's about a product I care about. And then I'll watch an occasional video from a few other channels like Good Old Gamer or Not an Apple Fan. And I forget that mm. they're not Linus Tech Tips or Gamers Nexus or these other channels. <laughs> and so I actually have found lately I'll force myself to watch like one video from one of the non prefer like I don't dislike those other channels, by the way. But I'm just saying 
I, I have to force myself to because I'll get this tunnel vision where I'm like, all of this is great. And then I realize every I'll miss that most people are talking about a subject in a completely different way. Hmm. Yeah. Because, again, if you just watched your review, hardware and box review, and then a couple videos from me. Navi sounds like a raging success. <laughs> and if <laughs> well it is doing well, but we could go into that you could we could go into why some other reviewers then didn't think the same that we did, but you know, you know why it is. Why I'll, I'll ask you, you know, since we're on the subject, why do you think it is? Well, because there's there's a lot of pressure from different parties to promote certain aspects of certain GPUs versus other GPUs. And when you don't do when you when you don't do that, you get hammered. You down, do, yeah. You know? I mean, hardware and box got in trouble literally for. I mean, honestly, their review of DLSS was on point, but insanely scathing, and like, and they're mm. correct. It is literally just run the game in eighteen hundred p, and you will get the same effect as four K DLSS, and actually a little bit better performance. So you just have to think like, why do you have a Navi review that's talking about? <laughs> ray tracing and dlss and all and and how these things mm-hmm. are the future i mean does that make any sense who <laughs> i know who's the the buyer out there who's worried to see if if uh, you know if this if there's going to be ray tracing because ray tracing is amazing have you ever h- heard anyone ask about that no but some someone out there wants people to be talking about ray tracing who could that be and the obvious and of course i did a giant video talking about that and then chris did five minutes later his came out and then not an apple fan and what was so funny for me was seeing a tweet i think it was from i'm not afraid to say names hardware canucks and they were like no it wasn't them it was a different channel saying i'm glad our review wasn't day one or we'd be accused of being nvidia shills because we gave something from amd a bad review and it's like no this is literally screenshots of people doing backroom deals and i'm not saying you're a shill but i am saying other channels definitely are and i it is very funny to see so many people from my point of view see that and go ah it's just because they said this and it's like no did you watch digital foundry's review they were literally minimizing the frame rate score every time amd was winning and then maximizing it when in any game amd lost like they focused on crisis 3 like this is some big game people are still playing and then well battlefield 1 was running in the background and by the way well it was you could see that Navi was beating the 2080 by 10%. They minimize the scream, and he starts talking about ray tracing while Battlefield 1 is running in the background. And it's like, yeah, I wonder why he would have done that. Yeah, it makes no sense. Like, it's the same as a good analogy would be, let's say that a company comes out with a car, and they put wings on that car. And when you drive off a cliff, you actually float for about five seconds. You still smash the car. But then you, 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 another car comes out and the reviewer says, well, this car doesn't have wings and wings are the future. <laughs> Even though they don't work right now, they're the future. So I'm going to give this car a bad review because it doesn't have wings. That is actually a very odd but very good analogy for ray tracing. <laughs> yeah, you have wings. Uh, you can fly for five seconds and you're never going to use them. 
but it's that excuse you can use to say, well, why doesn't the why doesn't your car fly? It's 2019. We want flying cars now. Yeah. Yeah, I like that analogy quite a bit. So, I mean, so Finney, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's much else to add to that except that I don't know how you can doubt that what certain companies are doing to make themselves look good. And I will say AMD, I, I don't know that they would do, I don't know, any company is capable of anything, guys. Be a little more skeptical when you see a full screening, the game running on all games and video wins, and then minimizing to talk about ray tracing in the background, all games where AMD wins. The, how could that be? I guess what I would say is, what would it be more likely that that's a coincidence or not? Could be a coincidence, but what's the most likely scenario going on? You know, we want this and this and this, and Intel is like, okay, that's what we should do. Instead of focusing on, okay, what's that that people don't even know that they need? That's what they should be focusing on. And that's what worries me about Intel. That's how you become a market leader. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, uh, an example I like to use um, is Sony because they did that. They almost fell apart and they had no reason to fall apart. They were a market leader. They had all these things. I mean, they had the Walkman and then they were dominating the portable radio and TV market. Actually, I love that you brought that up too in one of your videos. And then they, uh, and then it was hilarious. It's like no one can beat Nintendo. And then just and they just raffle stomped Nintendo's consoles, triple the market share out of nowhere. And then they became so insanely huge that they stopped. They like you say, they just started trying to make everything things they had no business working on. And I remember an example an executive gave from Sony of mistakes they were making, why they needed to cut their company in half in the past five years is because they had a tablet release, I believe in like 2012. And they released two tablets in the same month. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a slate tablet, like a normal looking tablet. And then they had a clamshell tablet that folds open that and they released them at the same time. And everyone thought, oh, that's interesting. They're trying two approaches with their new tablet release. No. They actually accidentally, independently, had two teams working on tablets. <laughs> and they didn't know each other were working on tablets. And at the last minute, they realized it and said, oh, let's make it the same product release with two options. So like, when you become that huge, you start making mistakes like that where you literally didn't even know you were making the same thing twice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Sony is a very interesting company. They used to have really cool computers, actually. The Vio I, I never bought one, but I always, I almost bought one like three times. I remember when I went to college, they had this one thirteen inch, and this was pretty much what looks like modern HP laptops that are very popular now. Except they had it in twenty thirteen, and it had an NVIDIA dedicated graphics card, a Blu-ray player and an i7, and they somehow managed to fit that in a 13-inch slim laptop with an eight-hour battery life back then. And I was like, this is expensive, but they're literally pulling off things like no one's even attempting. I think I might actually have that very laptop. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so I, I can live through you a little bit and know someone I know did buy that perfect <laughs> laptop. I'm not sure if it's 13 inch. It looks bigger than that, but I have, I'd have to go and take a look. I remember this desktop they had. It was a desktop all in one, and it had this 
this sort of clam it wasn't a clamshell because it didn't go all the way up to the top of the screen but then when you pulled it up it's like a cover that was part of the the screen and the top bit would become a clock <laughs> oh <laughs> that was really weird but it was really cool they had these really crazy ideas for for computers which i thought were were very interesting yeah i i've always that's the thing that's what it just became so frustrating to like sony products the past 10 years because like you see them make these insanely horrible product launches well like i don't know how much you want to get into it but like vita tv where they like literally made like a netflix box that can play playstation vita games but it didn't mm. have netflix <laughs> right it's like that's the entire point <laughs> what the hell are but you it, guys even thinking it looked cool I thought it was a nice-looking little box. It was a great idea with just such horrible follow-through that, mm. and that's something Sony does sometimes. But yeah, it's another. That's why I like following the consoles too, because they come up with some pretty, like the PS4 specifically, kind of blew me away in how efficiently the size of it for the performance into 2013. That really was one of the smaller consoles, and yet it was effectively a 1080p gaming machine. Uh, for a reasonable price, that type of stuff I think is very interesting. And I know I just I hope someday. And I know uh, AMD brought a similar APU to a Windows Chinese console, um, mm. but I wish that they would just straight up put like a PS4 chip in a laptop and just run Windows on it at some point. But that would be interesting. But yeah, so now they, we can be accused of being Sony fanboys too. So. <laughs> well, I'm working on like five different videos, so <laughs> I don't know. Sometime. Then some, sometimes, you know, something just comes up in the news or leaks or something like that, and then you just interrupt what you were doing to, to work on something in the, in the moment while it's topical. But yeah, I do have quite a few. Yeah, I it's funny. Of. The way I work... I have folders and I number them and then I, and then like I'll be, I'm actually like working on 10 videos at once usually. And it just comes down to when I get the inspiration and it's when I see the final picture of what one of the videos would be. Once I figure out the ending, basically I sound like a writer for now as uh, that's when I actually record the video, but I have like scripts to 10 videos. So it sounds like I imagine you have like 10 you're working on too. Well, that was a fun episode, I thought. Again, you know, I know this actually happened a couple months ago when we were talking, but listening to it back as I edited it, uh, I was like, yeah, this was definitely a good idea to save it for another episode. Uh, all the things we talked about with Sony and, again, comparing RTX to a flying car that can only fly for five seconds, so you're going to die anyways if you go off a cliff. I think that's actually the best analogy for NVIDIA's ray tracing that I've heard so far. But let's get into the mailbag. I do have, of course, plenty of good reader mail questions, which if you subscribe to the Patreon at the fourth core or higher level, you can send me as many reader mail questions as you want. And the first one comes from an executive producer tier person, Nerdfencer. He asks, you mentioned in the podcast before that there are three big people um, that all of these companies are trading to design chips. Besides Jim Keller, who are the other two? So... 
I don't have other ones in mind. This is something I've had other people say to me that there's like tiers that Jim Keller is pretty much the top tier. And then right below him are other tiers. And below that, there's like another 50 to 100 that are basically traded between, you know, the top 20 silicon companies constantly because they're the only people with the know-how to do what they're doing. You know, these are the rock stars of silicon. But I won't mention one that I mentioned before, maybe too many times, but just one I'm aware of is Roger Kadori. I mean, he was right there next to Jim Keller, his you know, almost a contemporary now, going over all the things they're working on and their different opinions of, you know, ways of scaling, moving past Moore's Law. And he wasn't there for fun. Uh, I'm really getting annoyed uh, how people think uh, only Jim Keller designs chips and and shit on Raja for Vega. So let's see. And, and just to illustrate my point. Raja Kadori was CTO of AMD Graphics from 2006 to 2009. Huh. Anyone remember any good graphics cards coming out of ATI between 2006 to 2009? This really annoys me. This is when they had their best graphics cards, arguably. This is when you have the 4870 and then leading into the 5870. That's Raja Kadori. So... And that's arguably the best GPU architectures AMD's ever had in their lifetime relative to the competition. So yeah, Raja's one of them. He's the guy, and now he, and then you know, now he's at Intel, trying to do the same thing for them. And I think he probably will. He also joined in 2015, but that wasn't. He didn't conceive of Vega. He was there to basically make sure Vega isn't horrible. Again, all of these misconceptions. I don't know where this comes from. That like. Raja isn't top tier, and that there aren't other people. Now, I I only bring him up because I know him. Um, I'm sorry, I know of him. I didn't meet him once. Uh, you know, I don't know of everyone who works on these chips, but there are many others. Don't think it's just Jim Keller. Don't think they all have to fight over Jim Keller to get good chips. There's other people they can hire. I'm not an expert on it, though, but Raja is one of them. All right, let's move on here. All right, Ad Close asks... Moore's Law is dead. What are your thoughts on Intel's release of the AgeLX FPGA chips? I've been thinking for a while that I'm shocked that no one has integrated an FPGA into modern PC chips and then programmed the accelerator for custom workloads like video encoding, compression, whatever. Um, I feel like all this is going to change soon. It's not quite an ASIC, but it's more flexible. Yeah, I mean, FP I usually group them together, actually, at close. Um, ASICs and FP. FPGAs. It's not that they are the same. I understand that. It's just these are dedicated chips, FPGAs being semi-dedicated, a little more flexible, that you could integrate, especially now that we have such um, excellent chiplet technology onto a package to do dedicated things. Um, I agree. I don't know why we haven't seen more of this. I believe the PS4 has a couple for doing different things. Um, like for, I think they have a streaming chip and that's why it's so flawless and uses so little energy and without bogging down the game, you know, that type of stuff. There really should be, if you think about it, and I've talked about this before in many videos, a compression and decompression ASIC, cause my God, we're always doing that. So, uh, for zip files, I mean, that should be in there if it takes up a small amount of room. And then you would also, you know, let me think what else is there. Just, I think they do have some encoders. I think Intel might actually have a couple in there. But just more of that type of stuff. And then in graphics cards, it's starting to really blow my mind. They don't have like an MSAA or SMAA. You know, some kind of anti-aliasing ASIC or even FPGA built into a graphics card. You know, how much space could that take up to just add a small thing that you just turn on anytime you want in any game and it takes zero performance hit and let's say to the equivalent of TAA. 
like, come on. Like, why is this not standard by now? I mean, I, I keep thinking, man, think if in, that would have been it. Screw DLSS. Imagine if NVIDIA would have put a small, you know, like 20 millimeter squared FPGA for um, anti-aliasing. That, that was something the equivalent of the quality of MSAA 2X. That alone would have made me consider Turing. Just knowing that from now on, all of my games have MSAA and they don't give me a performance hit, that would de facto give them another 10-20% lead over AMD. Probably more, because AMD is not really building their architectures to run MSAA that well anymore, just because I think they see it as outdated. But, you know, whatever the equivalent of that would be. I don't know. I think it's coming, though. Add close. All right, and now we have a long question from Carbon Cry, but I like it, so I'm going to answer it. All right, he says, a few things just clicked for me. AMD is working on a hardware scheduler that virtualizes cores and dispatches workloads so as to benefit from a mini-core design, or close to mini-core. Kind of how GCN and RDNA, Async Engines divvy up work, correct, that's a good comparison, but more advanced and code-aware, since it has to deal with much deeper and narrower code. Arcturus might be completely compute-driven, with all hardware surplus to it chopped off. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I guess there's two things there that you're talking about. Um, AMD is working on a virtualized core, you know, a better scheduling system. That is definitely what Intel's working on right now. Frankly, the scheduling in Zen 2 is far and above Intel. Um, this is where you see more and more. That's where you see that you actually don't get much of a game by turning off hyperthreading. It's because, oh my god, turns out Zen 2 is actually scheduling the threads correctly as you know, at least compared to Intel. And in fact, Zen 2 also does a really good job of actually boosting one of the cores higher than the others for the single-threaded, the most single-threaded uh, parts of the code it's running. Hence why, even with much lower clocks, it pulls ahead of Intel. That's why even in some games, you would see Zen Plus, you know, the 2700X, only be 10% weaker than a 9900K that's clocked 20% faster. You know, if you're running one line of code, just one, like that's it, the 9900K still had like 5 to 10% higher IPC. But the second you used all cores, it was like, wait a second, it's only 20%. Yeah, that's because it's divvying up the workload much more effectively than Intel is. And I think that's only going to continue. And I think that will be the key to Zen 3 killing everything. If it is any better at gaming, we'll see. It might not be. But Zen 3 should have slightly higher clock speeds than Zen 2. Uh, I'd guess a couple hundred megahertz. So I guess, so I guess if they're getting a 4.7 gigahertz single core on the 3950X, I would, yeah. So they'll probably finally sell plebs 5 gigahertz versions for Zen 3. And having three threads per core for desktop users, maybe. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, being able to divvy all that up and then have one meaty core run it, you know, 5 gigahertz with three threads, that's going to be huge. And that's really the future of scheduling. And anyways, other things he was talking about here, Arcturus being compute-driven. Yes, absolutely. That's obviously what Arcturus is. Vega is now all new GCN iterations are just, here we go. We can finally just double down on compute. Um, let's see, what else are you talking about? Carbacry, you had a lot of stuff here. Oh, combining this, I wonder if they could place GCN cores on an iGPU in the IO die, say four compute units, and then an advanced scheduler. And yeah, again, yeah, all of this stuff is true. Like the future of chiplets, um, 
Yeah, and he talks about how having these dedicated accelerators in the I.O. die in the future can completely wipe out Intel's AVX 512 advantage. Yes. Yeah. That's something they could do, too, is have some kind of advanced scheduler in the I.O., which, again, I believe I was just talking about. I kind of got off track there. I believe that's what Zen 3 has in it, actually. Um, But, yeah, so that is all the mailbag questions here. For this episode, many more coming. Keep filling up that mailbag, guys. Make use of your, uh, you know, Patreon support. Uh, It's there for a reason. That's how you engage with me now that there's hundreds of you supporting me. The way to engage with the channel, reader mail. All right. Thanks, everybody. Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is predominantly brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Law is Dead. And you can find all of my content, including videos, articles, and this podcast at www.moreslawsdead.com. And of course, it is also often co-hosted by my brother, Dan. And it is edited by my sound engineer, Gerard Cortez. You can find his contact information at www.moreslawsdead.com. You can also find the contact information of my article editor, Carbon Cry. Now, of course, if you want to keep the show running, I really do hope you rate me on your podcasting platform of choice. Share it with your friends. And if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. If you do, you get access to the Discord to talk to other enlightening people who work not just at AMD, not just at NVIDIA, but often in the server space and other computing areas that people often overlook. And of course, if you support it, you can get access to reading these people's names that keep the show running. But without further ado, let me give thanks to my greatest supporters. On September 2nd, 2019... Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Paraj, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Mohammed Al-Khawari, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Howard, Calm Marco, Otterwise Tech, Thyrister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Reniger, Kulin Lau, Daniel Cash, Knight Rogue, 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Michael Costa, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Joshi, Frederick Lau, Alexander Dolar, Otheros, Austin Clark, Caden, Greg T. Wattencheck. And of course, thank you to Sahara for this music, and thanks again to Cortex for speaking with me, buddy. 